Amen. Well, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. We're continuing in our series on the Sermon on the Mount, and I am enjoying. It's challenging, it's transformative, and I see us continuing in the Gospel of Matthew even after we finish the Sermon on the Mount. And so reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, starting in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and it is active. We ask, Lord, that you would use it this morning to awaken our hearts to the gospel and to the calling that you have put on each of our lives. We ask, Lord, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. My son is a picky eater. He's eight, and if left to his own decision-making, he would probably just eat hot Cheetos for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Our family eats a lot of eggs. At first, he wasn't into eggs, but then he discovered something that made eggs irresistible, salt. I think he learned this from my mom, who learned from her parents. I remember my grandpa putting salt on everything, watermelon, apples, eggs, everything. I don't put salt on my eggs. So when he started asking for salt, I was like, where did you learn to put salt on your eggs? But now whenever he asks for eggs, he must have salt. For Caleb, salt makes eggs irresistible. In Matthew 5, 13 to 16, Jesus had just wrapped up the Beatitudes that marked the beginning or introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 4, Jesus begins his public ministry by proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and demonstrating the life and power of the kingdom through healing disease and every affliction. Matthew is showing us the kingdom of God breaking in through the life and ministry of Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus's kingdom manifesto, and the Beatitudes are well-crafted kingdom roadmarks and cultural values. They provide a progressive path into the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus teaches that the kingdom of God belongs to the poor in spirit, the spiritually bankrupt, those that come to God with empty hand. You see, Jesus' rule and reign, his kingdom, is a gift of grace. No one can earn or merit its benefits. The kingdom belongs to those who know they do not deserve it, and they recognize their deep need for Jesus. This Believing loyalty, this faith, opens the door. 
to those who walk through that door and are being transformed by King Jesus, they are called in this passage, the salt of the earth, the lights of the world. The you here is emphatic, meaning that Jesus is directly referring to the blessed of the Beatitudes. Now, why did Jesus refer to those changed and being changed by the gospel of the kingdom as the salt of the earth? Salt is an everyday seasoning. In ancient Palestine, salt was a highly valued commodity. According to one Bible scholar, even wars were waged over salt. Salt was not only a staple in Jesus' day, it was survival. Bible commentators debate about the particular use of salt Jesus is referencing here. Was it fertilizer? Maybe a preservative? Or was it seasoning? Maybe, just maybe, Jesus knew that salt was multidimensional. It had many uses and applications, and therefore it's salt's utility here that enhances the force of the metaphor. You see, Paul even picked up this metaphor in Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. He said, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Two points of interest here. In this passage, Paul is concerned with how Christians relate to outsiders, to the watching world, and how to season with salt your everyday life to make Jesus irresistible. I think that Paul is alluding to Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5.13 when he said of his followers, you are the salt of the earth. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is casting vision. He's calling his disciples, his apprentices in the kingdom, to a way of life that makes Jesus and his kingdom irresistible. To be irresistible is to be too attractive, too powerful, too convincing to be resisted or ignored. It just can't. And as Jesus' followers, we are the aroma of Christ wherever we go. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Remember Paul's exhortation in 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16. He says this, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And through us, us, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, and to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? I really can sympathize with the Apostle Paul here and his sentiment. Who is sufficient for these things? Who who can bear the burden of being the salt of the earth and the light of the world? And yet, it is the Scripture that says emphatically that we are the ambassadors of Christ, church. And yet, it is here that I take great comfort 
And I encourage you to take refuge in the promises of the gospel. That the mystery of ages is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, Jesus was clear about our need of him. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Put simply, we need Jesus to make Jesus irresistible. I'll say that again. We need Jesus to make Jesus irresistible. The hope of glory is sharing in his. Any light from our life is a reflected light. As as Jesus' apprentices, our everyday life should not be ignored. One way or the other, our lives should elicit a response from outsiders. This is why Jesus concludes the Beatitudes with, blessed are those persecuted for righteousness sake. Those who live out the Beatitudes are transformed by the gospel will make Jesus irresistible. Some cannot resist but to persecute. Others cannot resist but be persuaded. If our everyday life does not produce a response, good or bad, that is a direct indictment on our faith. Jesus said it this way, if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Church, let's never lose our saltiness. Let's never lose our taste as the salt of the earth. If we want to make Jesus irresistible, we must be gospel-formed disciples. We must possess a believing loyalty to the king and kingdom. We must trust the good news and continually, day by day, moment by moment, yield and surrender to the truth of the gospel. We must long for and love the rule and reign of King Jesus, who for love's sake laid down his life to bring us the kingdom to make us co-heirs and citizens of an unshakable kingdom. So, how do we make Jesus irresistible in our everyday life? If you're taking notes, number one, we must be deeply rooted in Christ. In John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let those words sink in this morning. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If we do not learn the art and the practice of abiding in Christ, we will not abound. Fruitful and flourishing lives is the byproduct of abiding in Christ. The fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control the fruit of the Spirit, are just that, the fruit of the Spirit. They belong to Him. God is the fountain of living water. He is the source of fruitfulness and flourishing. However, vines, they need a good trellis to bear fruit. Without the support of a trellis, the vine 
will not flourish and bear fruit. Likewise, in our everyday life, we must develop systems and practices, habits, rhythms of grace that support our abiding in Christ. This may look like daily prayer or Bible reading, journaling, or practicing Sabbath, silence, or solitude. These systems of support act like a trellis, ensuring that we, the branches, abide in the vine and bear fruit. Number two, we must be cultivated in gospel community. The company you keep matters. The Apostle Paul said that bad company corrupts good character. So couldn't we say that good company cultivates good character? Jesus laid out in the Beatitudes a list of kingdom values, a path forward to develop kingdom culture. The good news is that the entry point is poor in spirit or the simple acknowledgement of our spiritual bankruptcy. We all come to God with empty hands. Remember, he is the vine. We are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So a gospel community is marked by humility. The community reminds one another of their need for God. Therefore, they pursue him together. They mourn their sin together. They are comforted together. They hunger and thirst after righteousness together. And when there is offense or sin in the community, they show mercy to one another because they have received unimaginable mercy in Christ. And as the gospel takes root in the community and begins to bear fruit, there is a purity of heart, a collective wholeheartedness in pursuing Christ. And this produces a desire for justice and peacemaking, a heart for reconciliation between God and man, brother and brother, sister and sister. You see, a gospel community begins to look more and more like the family of God because that is who we are. God's representatives, ambassadors on the earth. We are His kingdom ambassadors, church. This gospel-shaped community cultivates fruitful and flourishing lives by constantly rehearsing gospel promises, living out the implications of the gospel, loving and serving one another, encouraging one another, carrying one another's burden. So we'll be compelled to join, moved by the grace, love, and beauty in the midst of brokenness. Others will be repelled. Again, it is no coincidence that Jesus ends the Beatitudes with blessed are those persecuted for righteousness sake. If you've ever been persecuted, made fun of, or mocked for your faith, Jesus reminds us that ours is the kingdom. We came to Jesus with nothing, poor in spirit, bankrupt, and we were given everything because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. We receive through faith, by grace, justification, adoption, sanctification, transformation into the image of Christ, glorification, a future, and a hope that God one day will make all things new. We have received an unshakable kingdom. If we want to make Jesus irresistible, we must run with the blessed of the Beatitudes. Run 
with the blessed. Be cultivated in gospel community. Number three, we must be fruitful in everyday life. Jesus wasn't really impressed by the Pharisees' righteousness. In the Old Testament, Amos 5, 21 to 24, God shows his displeasure and annoyance from his people's potlucks, religious gatherings, offerings, and worship songs. In short, God would rather shut the church doors and all the religious activities if the people of God's everyday life is not changed. The prophet Amos says, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Jesus wants our everyday life to taste, to look, to smell like the kingdom. He told those listening to the Sermon on the Mount that unless their righteousness surpassed that of the Pharisees, they would not enter the kingdom of God. Jesus did not live the life we should have lived Die the death we should have died to change us only on Sundays from 10 to 1130 in the morning. Jesus defeated death, hell and the grave, rose victoriously on the third day as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. He poured out the Holy Spirit. He promised us power to be his witnesses so that our everyday life would be fruitful and flourish under his rule and reign. The gospel of the kingdom, think the Sermon on the Mount, addresses every aspect of our everyday life. Money, anxiety, marriage, relationships, anger, prayer, fasting. Jesus wants to transform our everyday lives to reflect the values and culture of his kingdom. He taught us to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth. Think in our everyday life as it is in heaven. Jesus promised his apprentices in the kingdom life, life to the full, abundant life, life that is fruitful and flourishing in everyday life. God is not glorified by our begrudging submission. After Jesus taught his disciples about being the vine and them being the branches, the importance of abiding in him, abiding in his love and obeying his commandments. He said, listen, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus is after our joy and that's good news. He wants our life to be fruitful, flourishing every day. Now, of course, there are seasons of growth, ups and downs, wilderness journeys, pruning and the like. But we are to be known by our fruit in our everyday lives as parents, spouses, grandparents, students, employees, managers, neighbors, whatever your vocation, it is a channel for God's love to be known, to make Jesus irresistible. But we must abide to abound. In closing, I want to be clear. Jesus is irresistible all by himself. He is irresistible. When someone's eyes are opened by grace to the beauty and love of Jesus, they are changed forever. The best cut of ribeye is packed with flavor. A lack of salt or seasoning only dulls the flavor already in the steak. The right seasoning brings out the flavor in the steak. 
the Grand Canyon, Yosemite, the Pacific Ocean, they are beautiful in themselves. When the sun goes down, any lack of light that may darken the beautiful landscape does not take away from the inherent beauty in nature. It only hinders others from seeing. Light brings out the beauty. Salt brings out the flavor. You were created in the image of God. You house a mirrored soul designed to reflect the glory of God. Your everyday life is full of purpose. The high calling of spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus everywhere with your neighborly love, kindness, speech seasoned with salt, service, generosity, forgiveness, patience. You make Jesus irresistible. I like how the message paraphrases Matthew 5, 13 to 16. Let me tell you why you are here. You're to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. God is not a secret to be kept. Vintage Church, today we are going public. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are called to bring out the God flavors and God colors in this world. We envision a gospel renewal in Lodi that produces fruitful and flourishing lives that make Jesus irresistible. We exist to make disciples rooted deeply in Christ, cultivated in gospel community, and fruitful in everyday life. We must abide to abound. If you're listening to this and resonate with our message and vision, I encourage you to check us out at vintage1948.com and find out more information about joining our core team and partnering with us in this great renewal project. If you want to sit down over a cup of coffee, I'd love the opportunity to share our story and the coffee is on me. And finally, if you are listening and want the power of the gospel at work in your life, perhaps you are burned out on religion and the prospect of a fruitful and flourishing life stir something deep in your soul, you are made in the image of God. You were born with inherent dignity and worth. Sin may have marred or broken that image, but the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to rescue us from the penalty and power of sin and renew the image of God in our everyday life so that we make Jesus irresistible and experience the love and the joy of knowing that we are fulfilling and living out every day what we were made for. If you want to pray with someone or learn more about following Jesus, get a hold of me. Message me on social media or visit our website. I'd be happy to schedule something. And one last time, you were meant to bring out the flavor of Christ, to light the way. You are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. You were made 
to make Jesus irresistible.